Okay, this morning I will be talking about love, and more specifically, the four loves. And love is a very important topic, very, very broad, and won't be able to cover it all today. There's, <laughs> there's just so many layers you could talk about, but uh, what I want to do is tell you about the four different uh, kinds of love according to their Greek names and how they differ from one another. So the four loves are storge, agape, philia, and eros. Now, love is something everybody wants, and it's something everybody thinks about. If you look at songs, how many songs are about love? Well, most of them. And the most famous band of all time sang a song where they claimed love was all you need. Another song comes to mind that says, I want to know what love is. And everybody does. But nowadays, you hear a slogan called, love is love. And sometimes there's a Twitter hashtag in front of that. So what do they mean by that? That's something we will look at. Okay. All right, C.S. Lewis, he wrote a book in 1960 called The Four Loves. I've read this book. That's where I got the idea for this. And the opening line, he says, God is love, says St. John. <laughs> That's quoting First John uh, chapter 4, verse 8. It says God is love. But what does that mean? So let's try to find out. Okay. The first kind of love I want to talk about is called storge. It's a family love, or another way to think about it is affection. So that's primarily love between the family, but it can also refer to other things, like when you love your, your home, that would be a form of storge. Even loving a pet would fall under storge. So if we want to find a biblical example of storge, let's go to Ruth chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 6. Okay, starting in verse 6 through verse 18. It says, there's a subtitle here, it says, Ruth's loyalty to Naomi. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return to the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. For she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return. Each of you to your to her mother's house. 
May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you, with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will, why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way. For I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, then even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they are grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. For it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me more also, if anything, but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Obviously, Ruth loves Naomi. And I would say that the kind of love that is being shown here is storge. Let's say affection, their family, they have a bond that Ruth will not break. So, now for another example, I picked a song called In My Life by the Beatles. It goes, There are places I'll remember all my life, though some have changed. Some forever, not for better. Some have gone and some remain. All these places have their moments with lovers and friends I still can recall. Some are dead and some are living. In my life, I've loved them all. Now this song was written, I believe is primarily written by uh, John Lennon. And basically he's trying to remember his life. And all the places he's been, and the people he's known, and the love he's had for all of them. And the love he's referring to here would be uh, storge. It's affection. It even says affection in the lyrics. So that's a brief introduction of storge. The next one I want to talk about is called agape. You probably heard of agape. Uh, It's been called charity. I really, I guess you could think of it as love for love's sake. It's more of an unconditional love. Theologians would say it's God's love for us, which I would agree with. But as I've found, God actually does have other loves for us. Like we just talked about Storge. 
And I never thought about God having stored a love for us. But in preparing for this, I was listening to a C.S. Lewis uh, lecture about the four different kinds of love. And he actually says God has stored a love for us because he is our father. I'm like, okay. I never really would have thought of it like that. But anyways... So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. I'm sure most of you are familiar with this particular chapter. Because it is often read at weddings. Okay. Chapter 13, verse 1, the way of love. If I speak in tongues of men and have angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For we, now, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. For I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So, anyways, this, this chapter is about agape love. In different versions, that last verse will actually say faith, hope, and uh, charity. So as we can see, it's... Love for love's sake, basically. There's, it's unconditional. It's how man is supposed to love his neighbor. It's agape is probably might be the hardest love really to wrap your, your head around. It's, it's it's unconditional love, probably the best way to put it. And so let's go back to the Beatles, but let's see if the Beatles are right here. I don't think they're right. Okay, this is The End by the Beatles. It's, it was on their very last album they recorded, and they, they do a medley. This is the very last song of the medley, so basically it's the last song they ever did together. And it says, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Are they right? No, they're not right. Love is unconditional. You don't work for it. 
this this is a nice thought. And if if you practice uh, Eastern religion, if you're a Hindu or a Buddhist, you would go along with this. This would be good karma. But as we've seen, love is it's unconditional. And everything we just read, you know, it, it's, it's not jealous. It's not angry. It rejoices with the truth. It's, you, ha- you don't have to earn it. It's when, when you give love, you give it freely. It's not because somebody has earned it or not earned it. We'll move on to philia, which is brotherly love or friendship. And so it's a little bit different because philia is something or friendship is something you you develop. You know, often to have a friendship, you need to have common interests. When uh, Lewis writes about friendship, remember there's one line in his book. He says, friendship is something like, do you see the same truth that I see? So, with that being said, let's go to John chapter 15, verse 12. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no no one than this, that someone should lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from the Father I have made, made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Now, this statement is really amazing. Jesus, God made flesh calls his disciples and by extension all believers his friends and this this is amazing and when I was I was listening to those Lewis lectures he was talking about friendship and he says that friendship is a love that God doesn't express to us but I was like no what about this verse right here he even brings up uh, Storge, talks about God being our Father. And then he'll talk about, uh, well, the last love to talk about is Eros. He even mentions Eros because we have the imagery of uh, Christ and his church. And we would have the, you know, the imagery of uh, Revelation, you know, the, the wedding of the Lamb. You know, so, but he says, God doesn't. 
seem to have philia for us, but I think he just completely forgot about this this passage because he absolutely does. And it's amazing that Jesus calls us his friends. But if you read that again, you don't start out that way. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you my friends. That's, wow, that's amazing. And then, no greater love, there, there is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. And this is right before... Uh, the crucifixion. I mean, this is. I think this is during the Last Supper, right around there. So it's really amazing because I believe there's only before this point there's only two people that get that distinction. It's uh, Abraham and Moses. I know that the different points refers to as friends of God, but now we're all friends of God because of what Jesus did for us. Huh. Oh my. Things not working. Okay. All right, now. A song about brotherly love. I chose Reflections by Charlie Daniels. And anyways, this is the third verse. And to give you some context, he's talking about a plane crash. Uh, Van Leonard Skinner was in a plane crash in October 1977. And that's the context he's talking about here. And it goes, it was October in St. Louis town when we heard that the free bird had fell to the ground. We all said a prayer before we went down to play. And Ronnie, my buddy, above all the rest, I missed you the most and I loved you the best. And now that you're gone, I thank God I was blessed just to know you. That's, I, I always love that song and that verse in particular. And it's, he's, you can feel the pain because he, this is a man who is really his friend and he, grieves but he thanks God that they were able to know each other so anyways that's a pretty good illustration of a philia love okay so the the fourth love is uh, eros which is romantic love and this is where things get tricky. So let's go to Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 18. Okay. Verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God says, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make for him a helper fit. Now out of the ground the 
the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every uh, bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that's what its name was. The man gave names to all the livestock and to all the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place in the flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man says, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. All right. So this is a genesis. It's a bad pun (laughs) of romantic love because God says It's not good for man to be alone, so he has to make a suitable helper. And so what does he do? Does he make a second man? No, he doesn't. He creates a woman. And when Adam sees her, then he says, this this would be the first poetry ever written, when he says, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So what we have here is is a piece of man is taken out. And then when they come together in marriage, they're reconnected. And then this is how family structure is done. Is you have a man and a woman and they have children. And that's... That's God's chosen way to have more people. Now, Eros can be tricky. Eros is good, but it can make you irrational. And uh, it does. I mean, there's... Okay, I was... I was going to come up with a song for Eros, and I like, but that's like half of the songs, and like, ha- and then half of those are when it goes well, and when they don't. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I'll just leave that off. <laughs> so, but uh, anyways, I guess I'll move on to my next point because okay, the next thing I'm going to do when I mean that. It causes problems is, okay, remember when I was talking about how today people like to say love is love. Okay. What they're doing here is they're perverting arrows. And really how they go about doing that, at least from my observations, is they try to confuse and pervert arrows with philia. Like if... Two men are very, very, very good friends. They can't leave it at that. Like, oh no, you got to have desires for each other. But that's not true. I mean, philia is 
just as powerful. It's just as good. And so let's look at First uh, Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. Okay, it says, David and Jonathan's friendship. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and its, uh, and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the, the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. It says that... Uh, David's soul and Jonathan's soul were knit together. It's they were really close. That's all I can think of. It seems like God did it. It's I don't. So let's go over to Second uh, Samuel chapter one. We're going to talk about more about David and. Uh, Jonathan. Okay. Uh, 23 to 27. It says, Saul and Jonathan, Saul and loved and lovely, in the life and death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel weep over Saul, who was clothed luxuriously in scarlet who puts ornaments of gold on your apparel. How now the mighty have fallen in the midst of battle. Jonathan lies slain on the high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. All right. Now, this verse... Is very tricky because there are some theologians out there that are trying to pervert the Bible. They will take this verse right here, uh, 26, talking about his surpassing his love for women. They'll they'll make the case that David and Jonathan had a inappropriate relationship with each other. And there's no evidence to support that. They had a very, very strong friendship. They had philia, love for each other, not eros. This does not mean that they had an inappropriate relationship with each other. When it says surpassing the love of women, that's a literary device because that would be thought to be very, very strong. And their bond was stronger than that. So, 
believe me, there really are theologians that use that as justification to say that they were together. They weren't. And so, this brings me back to love is love. Now, I think we've shown that there are distinctions. When they okay, well, when they say love is love, <clears throat> they mean that that eros love for a man and a man or a woman and a woman is the same as a man and a woman. And going through Scripture, especially back there in Genesis we see that God has a specific design for Eros, for Philia. And you can have one without the other. Now, we got the four loves. There is overlap. They do overlap each other. That's, I mean, that's just the way it is. And do Philia and Eros overlap? Yes, but not in this context. Like, you can have Eros love for your spouse, and you should also have Philia love for them. So, you will have more than one love at the same time. There is overlap. But they are not the same thing. So, anyways... So that's the four loves. I hope you got something out of that. <clears throat> this is really just scratching the surface. I mean, we could talk about different kinds of love, and I mean, it really is probably the main theme of the whole Bible is love. But just wanted to show you that there is more than one kind, <clears throat> and if we can, you know, categorize them. And their different roles, we can kind of know or have a better idea of what we mean by love for this or love for that or love for this person or that person. It's all got to be put into context. So thank you very much.